Uh, speaking of death, can, can I guys tell you about my ghost lady mannequin experience? Great segue. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So we get this catalog that's like a fancy Halloween decoration catalog. So rather than just like Spirit Halloween, who's kind of more like the cheapy stuff or going to get something at Target or Walmart like a, like a normal person, um, my, my wife <laughs> somehow ordered something from like a fancy Halloween decoration place. So they send you this catalog. And Michelle, what is the name of that Halloween catalog that we get? What's it called? Grand Grandin Road is what it's called, and Grandin Road from the from the makers of Evelyn and Chauncey homewares. Right. Grandin Road. So they have like you could get the real crazy stuff. Like I, I think I've talked about this. The the, the witches around the, the the coven and the coven around the the cauldron and all stuff. So we end up getting this ghost lady, right? And I didn't even like look at it. I just was like, yeah, 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 that's fine, whatever. You know, it's not too expensive. We got it. So we get in that we get this big box, I open it up, and it's essentially it's 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 halfway. So it's from like the waist up and it's a clear plastic shape of a woman. Right? And so it's like her face kind of like a mannequin, but it's totally clear plastic. And then what it is, it's covered in a sort of um like wedding dress material, like one of those kind of fabric y things. So gotcha. it's like covered on her face and then kind of tied a ribbon around her neck. And so it's so it's all covered with like tattered white lacy shit. And then it has kind of a some LED lights that are embedded into it. And so on the bottom of it is like a, a little battery pack that you can kind of um, stick onto this plastic thing that they've got. You bought a sex doll. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> um, I can't. Grandin Road Halloween sex dolls comes with 100% chiffon. <laughs> That's what it was. It was chiffon. It sounds like it sounds like the Halloween version of a Christmas story. Like you got mm-hmm. this sexy little thing, you go stick a light up its ass. It's like pottery barn. Like yeah. So I hang it in the lemon tree. Oh, so that's what you're into. Kinky. <laughs> right? It's it's for yeah. cat dad. So it's cat dad's new toy. We gotta put the cat dad ab add up. Um so, so you're ch- we, so we you're ha- choking your ghost mannequin. Yep. Choking her like a champ. And then the idea, though, is that it just it's an on off switch. There's no timer. So I was like, OK, so we turned it on. So now it's like we're all about to go to bed. It's like midnight and our front yard's like really dark. So I go and I'm going outside to turn it off, but I can't find the switch. So I have my hand like underneath its dress, like trying to kind of find the switch like in the dark. Just with this no, that's glowing, how you use it. That's how you use it. Just this glowing ghost lady. It was the most uncomfortable moment I've had because I'm like, literally like, I'm like, man, like I'm sure the possums are staring at me going, look at this jerk off. He's wrist deep. You're supposed to warm her up, dude. You don't, you don't just immediately start finger banging her. Jeez. <laughs> dude, that's my opening move, bro. <laughs> it's just, just a little class. So I <laughs> probably was like, I, I got a little scared because we just finished the episode of Lovecraft Country, which is getting really scary. And it had these okay. just the the imagery in that episode was like straight up horror. And so now I'm thinking of the horror with my what? ghost horror. I know I, you say <laughs> horror, but Rob and I just heard horror. You called you your sex doll a whore. <laughs> well, it, it had it had been in my possession for 10 minutes. <laughs> she lets me fist her on the front lawn. So <laughs> and scene. <laughs> That's oh great. boys! Well, I'm experiencing a, a real a real hardship here, gents. Oh no! Uh, 
2020 has come along and I've like, been remodeling my kitchen the whole way. The last step was to order appliances. So we did that uh, maybe a month or so ago. But my dishwasher broke yesterday. No. I, it won't turn on. And that means I have to actually hand wash things for the next three months. The the horror. The horror. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine in 2020 having to hand wash all of your stuff? This is the worst. 2020 is terrible. Robert, did you, you know who makes a good dishwasher? <laughs> Grandin Road. Grandin Road. Brandon Brandon Road. Road's <laughs> Halloween dishwasher will pumpkin spice all of your hardware. Who, who, which member of the Rams refuses to wear, use a dishwasher? Like, who is like, I only wash my plates by hand? What do you think? Old AW? Oh. Because he's the oldest guy on the team, right? Or like Greg Gaines? Do you think Greg Gaines is like, plates are too futuristic? I use, Greg I Gaines use not only really doesn't use a dishwasher, he washes his stuff in a creek. Yeah, he's yeah. like Gaines an old miner, right? He's just sort of cutlery of plateware. He is, he is 100%. <laughs> Like takeout, his whole fridge is just filled with the styrofoam takeout containers. Has to be. Who needs yeah. a fork when you got this rock? <laughs> <laughs> great games. He showed up. We'll talk about him. Absolutely great games. All righty. Los Angeles Rams podcast. A Los Angeles Rams, Rams podcast. Rams too. I'm at 3K underscore here with Robbo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, man? Hey, jerks. Three and one. Three and one. And our favorite mannequin molester, Joey the Jerk. What's up, man? I'm very mad this win was unacceptable. Good. That's representative of much of the population. Let's get to it. Rams 17, Giants 9. Defensively heavy and a pretty gross game uh, for both teams. Let, let, let's start with what we talked about last week. We talked about the idea. All of us were comfortable with the idea that this was headed towards a blowout, that the first three weeks had proved that the Rams were too good on offense and the Giants, well, the Giants ended up being the Giants anyway. But we, we expected more points, and we talked about the idea of acceptability. Joey, you, you start first because you said this. We, we get a win. We move to three and one, but it just feels gross. It does feel gross because the defense, well, we can speak about how we're frustrated at times by them. They allowed nine points, which is lower than I predicted them to give, which was 13. But I thought they'd get some of that in garbage time. What was frustrating to me was the offense losing their mojo. <sighs> Ever since they had that fumble, it felt like they were a completely different team and in the possessions where they punted, it really felt like they didn't have a game plan that they could execute. It just was very frustrating to watch. And they were just so up and down. Like the possessions where they were moving the ball and got first downs, they looked like they did the past couple of weeks. Where when, when they were struggling, which I will also connect to the fact that they weren't running the ball with Daryl Henderson is when they reminded me of last season. So I think they took a big step back. They started looking like 2019 Rams. And I had this big question, what's going on with Daryl Henderson? Was he hurt? Was he in the coach's doghouse? I'm frustrated. Let's get to it. All right. First uh, stats of the game. Let's start uh, with the Giants because we talked about uh, the defensive performance. They held Daniel Jones 23 of 36 for just 190 yards. Obviously, no touchdowns. The one interception by Darius Williams. Fantastic. Near the end, we'll get to that as well. Not much done on the ground. Uh, Gallman and Freeman, Devontae Freeman, combined for 17 carries for just 78 yards. I know Wayne Gallman had a 26-yard uh, run and Devontae Freeman had a 10-yard. So if you take those away, you're looking at about 42 yards 
on what 15 carries that's just fantastic great job from the defense all day uh really mucked it up on the defensive line they were dominating the giants offensive line probably the weakest offensive line we've seen and maybe the weakest one we'll see all season but they were just mucking up uh and really destroying pockets and because of that they got a ton of work done they had uh ended with five sacks and i think nine qb hits yep um, but the offensive side, like Joey said, that's where the frustration came in. Jared Goff throws the ball 32 times, completes 25 of them, but just 200 yards. Late touchdown to Cooper Cup, uh, thanks to uh, – who was it? James uh, Blackburn on the uh, the Giants for letting him just run right by him. Beautiful play, yeah. though. Uh, that was his touchdown on the day, no interceptions. Uh, Malcolm Brown, nine carries, 37. Daryl Henderson, eight carries, 22. We'll get into that. Neither of them got in the end zone. The rushing touchdown was the early one to Gerald Everett on the first possession, end around. Not a lot in the receiving game. Uh, Cooper Cup got targeted seven times, uh, had the 55-yard catch, but other than that, he had four receptions for 14 yards. Robert Woods, six for 35. Um Josh Reynolds was maybe the most consistent, but only had three catches for 25 yards. Higby only had three for 21. Malcolm Brown got five receptions, but was only able to get 19 yards on him. The Giants were really sniffing out a lot of that screen work. Um, we had the fumble from Gerald Everett. We'll talk about that defensively. Taylor Rapp led the team in tackles with eight because Micah Kaiser goes out injured uh, with a groin injury. Obviously, stay tuned to that throughout the week. Jalen Ramsey pitched in five tackles. Troy Hill had six. John Johnson had six. Really good game from the defensive backs. Really good game overall for the defense, obviously. Uh, but d- difficult to, to praise them first because I think more than anything, I think we're just uncomfortable with this offense, Robbo. Th- thoughts? On, where do you want to go with this? Are you d- discomforted with losing the mojo and the fact uh, – let me pull up the drive chart. Three, play, three dr- drives coming out of the half. A five-play punt, a five-play punt – a three and out punt to start the second half. That's Sean McVay calling. He needs help. Drives in the second half. Not very uh, productive. You had the the Hendo season uh, season finale. For whatever reason, he just wasn't out there and not getting a lot of carries. Like I mentioned, he just had eight of them for just 22 yards. Offensive line was an issue. Uh, or do we want to talk about just the play call in McVay and maybe the idea they didn't have some offense adjustments? Where you want to go starting with the offense? That's. I mean, I think it's – I'm going to put this one more on McVay. So mm-hmm. – if you if you heap the praise on McVeigh for his first three weeks of game sure. planning, and they were they were pretty good the first three weeks, right? They were you know, one of the best offenses in football. Running, they were the second, I think, rushing team in football. They were they've been really good. Um, we've we've talked you've talked about this before. We didn't expect it this week, but there's gonna be a week where that offense isn't as good. There's they're not clicking, whatever, and are they gonna be able to win the game against a better team? They probably lose this game. Right. However. They didn't play a better team. They are still one. So you happy, happy, be happy with the, the victory. But put this on McVeigh. I mean, how many weeks do you have to do the screen game in the in, in the red zone where you just bog down? It's uh, Matt Walderman, who's a, a you know a, a film guy, who goes back and after every week, like Brian Balder, Baldinger does, he goes and highlights play throughout the week. And he got to the he got to the segment where it was screen. Defense snuffed it out and came back to another screen and snuffed it out and yeah. and pretty much tore into McVeigh on that one and it's it's common because it's their red zone woes are not new that they struggle in the red zone and it seems like he gets ultra conservative in the red zone. I'm not really sure what it is. I'm not sure why. It's just it's it's a pattern. It's been yeah. going on since McVeigh got to Los Angeles. But so I want to put this one on Sean. Uh, you talked about Henderson having just eight carries. He only had a 2.8 average. Malcolm Brown, who's who likes he's running in quicksand half the time, yep. still you know, had a 4.1 average. 
Um, I would have liked to see Hendu in the passing game more. I mean, all those all those screens with the Malcolm five for nineteen. Hendu had his one opportunity. He had you know outside of the Cooper Cup touchdown. It was the longest pass pass play of the day. Fifteen. Man, Malcolm Brown might be the slowest guy on our offense. He's he gets out of his breaks very 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 slowly. Oh, you can time it. You can time it with like a with a sundial watching his feet move. Sundial. But he's effective. <laughs> I just don't That's know that you want. Nickname. It's, honestly, you just watch him. It's, it's so slow. You, it's like you're watching. You hit pause and you're you're advancing. It even works because I think a sundial not. has a hard nose. <laughs> it really does. He just doesn't. He doesn't have that quick twitch, right? But I would like to see the you know the. The numbers skew the other way, where Hendu is is the, more the main guy, and Malcolm is the complimentary guy. Are you just, calling him Hendu? Yeah, Hendu, Hendu, Daryl Henderson. Right. Okay. Yeah, Hendu, just, Hendu, 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 H E N D U, Hendu. I, I I just think this one was on Sean. It was a bad week. Of course, I didn't even listen to the press conference because you know what, how it went, right? Sure. That's on me. I got to be better. I put our team in bad positions. I mean, this time I'm I'm going to take him at his word. I, I think that's where it was. Defense was great. The Gerald Everett, let's talk about that at some point. The Gerald Everett fumble seemed to just deflate, kill them. Yep. Like you unplugged the machine and they just couldn't get it back in. Yeah, it sucked because that was the first play of the drive. If you go back and you look at the first half compared to the second half, it was much more productive. And the Rams were really in control of that game because you had the opening uh, drive, which was 12 plays, 65 yards, over seven minutes for a touchdown. You had the last drive, 15 plays for 47 yards also over seven minutes, uh, ended in the field goal because we stalled out in the red zone. You had the weird screen, and then Sean just capitulates on third down or fourth down, third down and says, fuck it, let's just get the field goal and get into the half. So you had two drives that took a whole quarter up. You get 10 points out of them. You had one three and out. That was our third possession. That second position, possession, that was maybe the one that could have given you a buffer against you know, whatever was going on in the second half, which was much, much worse offensively. But the fumble, because it happened on the first play, you give them field position, they get a field goal. Even though you get a stop, they get a field goal out of it. It would We would have had them shut out going into their last possession of the first half, which makes it seem more dominant because that's how dominant it was. I think that fumble, I, I don't know that I blame Gerald Everett for it so much because he's spinning – to, you know, he's got the best yak moves yeah. on the team. He spins out of a tackle and it's just, it happens to be a helmet on the ball, but it's one of those things where you kind of, yeah, you, you can't let that happen because that's the thing that, that can, like you said, it, it maybe deflated the team. And when, when you get to the second half and stuff's not clicking, you needed more out of that first half. And that fumble maybe was part of the reason why you didn't get more out. Yeah, that makes sense. My question to you, Joe, is you talk about the offensive line every week. And it's a big part of our show. And yep. it feels like that the narrative this season has been they're better than we thought they were. But right. there's also this other narrative, which is Coach McVay is somehow masking their flaws or not trusting their strengths enough right. to go for a certain type of offense that yes. he's relying more on the short throws, more on the screens, and motion, a, a specific a type motion. of. In motion, a lot of motion, a lot of jet sweeps, and a lot of, um, you know, a, a particular type of run. So my question is, why does what? Why did that work in the first couple of weeks? And do you think do you think it wasn't working this week because n not nothing that the offensive line did wrong? It was just that the execution just didn't line up how it needed to, and just in the odds of of plays needing to happen. 
I think that's part of it. I think also this was probably the offensive line's worst run blocking game, right? Where this was the first time in the first three weeks we were setting up a lot of third and shorts, third and three, third and four, third and five. And so with those, you can A, run a lot of funkier stuff on third down to convert those, but also B, it's a little bit easier to throw it short of the sticks and then gain the first down as opposed to when it's like third and nine, third and 10, third and 11, defenses can load up at that line and be able to come forward and get a stop like the way uh, we did a couple times against the Giants because if you're throwing the ball five and six and I'm all the way if I'm a linebacker and I'm able to sit that deep you're not going to pass it over my head there's not going to be enough space in between me and the safeties and anything that you should throw in front of me I'm going to be coming downhill to stop and get you off the field so I think part of it was the O-line not blocking better on the running downs we Robbo talked about you know Henderson and, and Brown both not averaging very well obviously Brown average a little bit more but neither of them were really all that successful and so because of that and because we weren't running the ball more this was our lowest you know in terms of quantity uh rushing output where you had 17 carries among the running backs and we just weren't getting in good situations and i think because of that and because he's not trusting we saw i think two more seven step drops from jared goff they're just not calling deep stuff uh in a way that we used to now part of that is also we don't have sammy Watkins or brandon cooks on the roster anymore so I don't know that you have a deep threat. I don't know that you have somebody that you want to send on go routes. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's just not set up for that kind of situation where we saw a lot of third and longs. And I just think instead of, you know, why aren't we calling better plays for that situation? I think the impetus is going to be on the Rams to avoid that situation. In the yeah, it's a bummer, you know. I mean, I was so happy the first three games because they were showing me something that I hadn't seen that I wanted to see. And then they stopped showing it to me. And now I'm yeah. sad. And it was fun. I mean, we should give some credit to the Giants front seven as well. They, yeah, they yeah, played they pretty well. Like, like you, you mentioned in the, in the preview pod, Blake Martinez, he was all over the field. He's he good. led them in tackles. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, the guy from Clemson, right? He had a crushing tackle on, on Hendu. I mean, they they played pretty well. They're not great, but th- did they play one of their better games? Or dun, 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 is this a blueprint for the Rams? Stop the run. Maybe take play action. I don't know. We'll see. Part of it situationally, even even with needing to get more yards, Jared Goff in in next-gen stats tracks intended air yards. He had the fourth lowest intended air yards. He only threw, on average, the ball was going 5.5 yards in the air. That's the fourth lowest in the NFL. They're just not not throwing downfield, and McVay refuses to call it. Um, So they're not running, and that's nobody's fault, per se. But Jared Goff was fourth in the league in week three at 5.3. In week two, I'm bringing it up now, a little bit longer in week two, but still not among the longest. Um, and then week one, I think he was going into Monday night. I think he was the shortest out of everybody, but ended up getting a little bit higher because, no, he ended up first, 4.3, the shortest yards out of anybody. So they're just not throwing the ball deep. So in, in, I, you're catering to your strengths, and that's a good thing. And then credit the Giants. They put us in a situation where we weren't playing to our strengths, and I think you saw some of the results, especially in the second half. It doesn't help when uh, one of your sure-handed guys yeah. drops a gimme. He made up for it later in the game, but yeah, can't have for that. Sure. Coop, I wanted, I grounded him. I grounded him at the at the time. I go to your room, Coop. Let, let's give some praise for the defense. Turn it over. Who who were you most impressed by? Was it the Darius Williams pick with some fantastic hands? Was it the defensive line that actually got after uh, Daniel Jones? Was it Daniel Jones himself, who was maybe the best defender for the Rams on the day? Uh, maybe the secondary, where they just didn't give up a ton? I know there were a couple moments where you know we saw Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill 
have to deal with some receivers that they left over. But on the whole, when you're only giving up 190 yards passing, you're doing a fantastic job. And obviously, with the hit that Jalen Ramsey had, that was maybe the punctuation mark of the day. What do you think? Obanaya Okawankro was alive. Obo got in. He got in. Yeah. Yeah. Obo gains all the all the all the role players because Aaron Donald really wasn't he had two QB hits but he really was on the stat sheet everyone else which is what you need from them when yeah, Aaron that was Donald their game was plan, right? they were they were getting extra bodies in front of Aaron they weren't going to let him beat him but they were giving one on ones to everybody else and and to their credit they were they were beating those guys up front Leonard Floyd got home they took it away off the penalty but Greg Gaines had Justin a tackle for Holland Obo, Obo was Lobo. in there Justin Hollins Hollins yeah, Hollins? yeah. Come over from Denver so all the guys kind of made Samson Ebicon yeah. look like an NFL player. Multiple plays. Multiple for, good you know, plays. A quarter or so. Right. It's like I was I was joking online the same. This is like the one game a year you, you're gonna be able to say his name and, and like feel good about it. Uh yeah, they all stepped up. They all played pretty well. So collectively as a whole, I thought the defensive line played it pretty well. They they played really well. They harassed Daniel Jones. Um they did what they had to do with that guy. So I'm gonna give it to them. So going back to the defense and, and who we highlighted, one guy I want to talk about is Jalen Ramsey. Sure. He had that great hit on Golden Tate. And also, if you just Google LA Rams, every single article right now is about the fight at the end of the game. And everything is about their sort of personal beef that they had. And now the story is that Jalen Ramsey threw the first punch, that the Giants are saying, whatever, I don't really care that much because it's kind of like professional wrestling. However, what I think it does do that's significant is it really sort of, I think, presents an edge to this Rams defense mm-hmm. that years ago, I would say when they first moved to L.A., they had a reputation of being a dirty defense. Or mm-hmm. that that question was even being asked. Like, oh, yeah. do they play dirty? Are they kind of... Well, Greg Williams was their defensive coordinator, so... Ugh. Exactly. Right. And right, so right. I think when you kind of switched and you had someone like Corey Littleton, who's, who's your leader it became less about dirty and it was a little more kind of a, of, of a finesse type of, of of defense at least that's kind of how i thought of it kind of going into this season or the season but i think what jalen ramsey is really sort of presenting as as he is becoming the leader of the one of the major leaders on the defense no is that sort of chip on your shoulder that kind of um that 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 mean attitude you know because i mean he's so mad at me the way i make my cubano sandwiches think about how he would be if someone's trying to to juke some moves on him to get a first down. I mean, the guy definitely, out of any defensive player, probably has the most attitude. And you saw it in this game against the Giants. He's waiting outside the locker room, Golden Tate. I mean, this is a dude that is looking to fight. And most of the time, I kind of find that as like a negative, but maybe the Rams defense needs this sort of aspect. For people who don't know, I, they've I had like a situation it. where Ramsey has two children with Tate's younger sister, and that relationship had gotten strained. And so, obviously, the relationship between Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey had gotten strained. So, it was a personal issue. Um, I also think maybe, like you mentioned, Joey, maybe Jalen was just mad at him for his cooking skills. Maybe what did go? What did Golden Tate do? Do you think? Do you think he put mayo with pickles? And Jalen Ramsey was just like, "That's an unforgivable combination. Come here, motherfucker." <laughs> I don't think he it was just cooking skills. I think he like ate the last of something, and Jalen was like, "That's some disrespect." Don't we, you don't go to someone's house and take the last 
you know, steak or whatever. That's my fucking steak. I, I'm sure it, I'm going to go that route. I don't know that. Jay Hold was. up, man. You put mustard and vinegar on the same thing. That's too much acid, man. It's going to overwhelm the sweetness. Get your ass on over here. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave your sister over this. That's a, that's kind of the offense it is. It, you know, the mustard and the vinegar. I'm not, I can't be a part of this family. I'm out. Butter on pork. That's too much unctuousness. The mouthfeel is going to get all fucked up. Anybody knows that? Damn. Beat your ass. <laughs> all oh, right. God. But let's let's talk about things that we're upset about or the things that we're concerned about. We got the Micah Kaiser injury. Yeah. And what was funny was you had a collective Rams Twitter cohort immediately mm. go, why is Troy Reader on the field? Like everybody's looking around. You know, it's the Jonah Hill, the hands behind their head shaking Everybody's like, Troy Reader, no, <laughs> like freaking out. Right, Are we right. worried about Micah Kaiser? Fuck yeah, we're worried about Micah Kaiser because Troy yeah. Reader is garbage. Micah might not be uh, an all pro, but he's not Troy Reader. Troy Reader is what, what is it? What is it about Troy Reader that has everybody freaked out? Slow, I, I mean, I get it. He's bad, good. but he is, he is, is he the biggest scapegoat on the team right now? I think he sounds like he's part of like Brody's crew and Point Break. Like he's like the third guy standing behind <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Like he's the guy. Yeah, like he's the one wearing the Richard Nixon or whatever random mask he's wearing. But he is. Um, Start the car, Troy. <laughs> Reader, come on. No, I I think um, he he definitely has. He's an undrafted free agent, right? He he wasn't drafted. Yes. He he just Correct. seemed very fringy. I think there's there's an aspect to him which is like if we're going to try to go to the Super Bowl, do we really want Troy Reader as as our kind of captain of the defense? You know, it's like I, I think that inside linebacker position, which which was like the Corey Littleton thing, or before that was Alec, Alec Ogletree, and we were a little bit skittish about having Micah Kaiser, but I think our arms were twisted a little bit. We're like, okay, fine. Sure. This is, he 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 got. Defensive player of the week in the NFC, got 16 tackles. Okay, I'm not going to be so nervous with him playing. But now he's out, and now they're just throwing in Troy Reader, and it's kind of a little bit like, oh, right, now, wait, what's going on? Like, who, is, who are the guys at inside linebacker? Kenny Young and Troy Reader? Like, what the? And that's the thing. We're already down Traven Howard, too, remember? He got hurt in the preseason. Yeah, that's right. Well, right. we'll have to see. Yep. It's a groin injury. We got to see. I think that's one of these things. You got to see how it develops. Look at what we're dealing with Cam Akers, right? He didn't get put on yep. IR. So I think there was a sense that maybe he'll be able to get over it pretty soon and go. And that just hasn't happened. So I think we'll have to see how bad it is. I don't think they've given any update, but we haven't gotten to the Monday uh, remarks from Coach McVeigh that'll help clarify how it tested and, and what they think for him. But we'll have to see. You could see he was dealing with it. He was grabbing at it after the hit on Daniel Jones when Jones was going for a first down and then they got to fourth and one and converted. But uh, I don't know if it was on that play, but it was soon after that he was grabbing it and it was obviously bothering him, but he still kind of played through it. So hopefully he didn't uh, make it any worse in the in the few snaps that he got after that. But uh, yeah, definitely not uh, a great injury to have to see. And it was, it was just funny because immediately I saw numer- maybe more than two dozen people on Rams Twitter immediately just talking about Troy Reader and it's one of those things that I don't I don't know that there's anything that injects fear into Rams fans more than that right now. It used to be Troy Hill. Uh, we've had scapegoats in the past, but uh, Troy Reader's the guy that does it for everybody right now. Pretty strange. Um, mo- moving forward, we we've got uh, the last of our NFC East games coming up, which is very sad. That makes me. Re- I want to hang out with our friends in the NFC East a lot more this season. It seems like it went yeah, too quickly. Totally. Um, I think I can hang with you fellows for a while. <laughs> 
we've had three fun parties with them, right? I think I think all of those went well. And now we got one more with Washington football team. Uh, so we're going to have to see what gets, we'll get into a preview pod on that later in the week. But, uh, you know, th- there's a couple things you want to see the Rams do. Obviously they need to run the ball better and maybe run the ball more. Um, you need to stack some plays, which is what we didn't do in the second half. We had three uh, possessions to start the second half that all ended up in a punt, a five play possession, a five play possession and a three and out. All three of those were punts. We just weren't stacking plays to get some first downs and move the chains and reset. And then, you know, that combination that we've seen run the ball, play action, play action, run the ball, short pass, sideline pass. He just wasn't connecting him. And I think that's troublesome to see in a game that I don't know that we blame Jared Goff. Have we, have we ever had a game where Goff produced this little, that he wasn't taking more criticism? I can't remember one. No, well, because ugly turnovers, right? Yeah. yeah and, and also, when you say, well, when you say produce so little, it, it's like, well, they scored, what, like less than 20 points, and 200 yeah. yards is, is, yes, it's not impressive, yeah. but it's, no. at, at least it got to that round number. You know what I mean? Like, if it was like 195, <laughs> you'd be like, Ugh. but 200 sounds like, <laughs> And, you know, I, I felt like that touchdown pass to Cooper Cup was a little bit of a gift because it was so yards after completion that it was kind of like we're really giving this touchdown pass to Jared Goff to fine. Jared, yeah. But, I mean, they, they screwed up. They, they didn't tackle him. I mean, it was it, it should have been a 25-yard completion, but it ended up being a touchdown pass. Hooray! Yeah. But as far as um, Goff goes, yes, I mean – he accomplished as much as he was programmed to accomplish. You know what I mean? It's like you're yelling at the robot because he's not scoring touchdown, but you didn't you didn't press the rope you didn't press the touchdown button on the robot. System could be it. Can only do what the system gives him to do. Sure yeah, is. he's like right. Daryl. Remember that movie Daryl, where the kids playing pole oh, position? God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's Daryl. Yeah. Oh, that's a good pull. I like the way that it was a nice round number. So really what McVeigh is doing is trying to satisfy the compulsive obsessive fans. The ones who are like 200, that's good. 202, that's bad. 250, right. that's good. 265, mm-hmm. that's bad. We used to have the get back coach. Do we have the, we have the stats coach? He's like, uh, Sean. He's at 200. Cut him off. <laughs> we, need to, we need to pump the brakes here. <laughs> it's too clean. 17 points is pretty poo. And we talked about most acceptable. Yeah, it it's 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 not good. It's not good. I mean, so then maybe that's for the first time ever. We need to bring up John Bonamago, our special teams coordinator. Is he the mm. is he the guy as like the eldest man on the coaching staff? Do you think he likes a clean box score as the special teams coordinator? I don't. I mm-hmm. don't care how many you get, but I want it ending in a zero. That's that's good football for me. <laughs> it's bad juju. And 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 not 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 the not the guy with the toothpick in his mouth. This is real juju. Hey, Coop. <laughs> hey, Coop, come over here. Five catches for sixty-nine yards, huh? We gotta fix that next week. Horrible. Not nice. Yeah, nice. Not nice Cooper. at all. Nice, Cooper. Nice. <laughs> I still hear yeah. my, my 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 non-Rams Same fans were texting me. They're like, "Why is Cooper Cup the punt returner?" I'm like, "He's always bad. It's a mistake. We don't like it." Just leave me alone. So let's close this one out. Here, here's a question for you. We talked about the idea of unacceptability. We won the game, yes. but it, it was gross. Where do, where do we fall on this in terms of the final narrative coming out of this? Was it was it acceptable but uncomfortable? Are we are we literally upset? What is what is the right way to frame this until we get to like Thursday and we were full steam ahead on week five and done thinking about week four? 
do you feel better about losing the way we lost last week and you came back and Maybe. Oh, it's like the feel good loss, right? I mean, we, we were down and we came back and we showed some grit and toughness. And this week we had ate a poo sandwich for 60 minutes. And yeah, I almost feel better about losing last week than you feel about winning this week. Um, it's an important week coming up this week with Washington because they're also not a good football team. And after that, things get tougher. So they need to bounce back and they need to kind of get back to what they were the first three weeks and not this week. And so that's why I think this is a really big game this week. So we'll see how it goes. But um, I almost feel better about losing last week than I do winning this week. At the end of the day, I want to win, but just the feeling. I, just, I want to shower right now. I kind of feel dirty. Joey, Rob, Robbo called it a poo sandwich. We know you like poop on top of poop. Final thoughts on week four. Yes. I agree with what Robbo says, but I will even elevate it even more that I definitely thought that the last week's loss was much more acceptable than this win because this win was in one way such a gimme that we're already checking it off on our scorecard or our schedule season card or whatever antiquated thing you do to chart your progress as the Los Angeles Rams or 2020 season. But it felt like this game was it, it was it felt like a loss. They played like losers. And yes, they won because they were playing against poop, but you know, again it was poop on poop. Last week they played well against a good team, and so it was a little bit like, okay, well that sucks that we lost, but at least our in, our the engine of our offense is is moving and clicking and we didn't get the breaks, so you could explain it away. And yes, when you look at just the the standings, and I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of Rams fans, that's all they care about. And I get it. Like Brandon Bates talking about victory Monday, and he's like, no matter what, we got the victory. Okay. However, when you're in the playoffs and you're playing against the, you know, the Green Bay Packers and you're getting your ass kicked, and you're like, hey, we had 11 wins. And you're like, yeah, but one of them was against the Giants. So we're not actually an 11-win team or whatever we end finishing with. I think this win in one way has an asterisk to it. Poop sandwich. I said it. Double meat. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think I'm going to keep recording just for stuff, but I'll end the show before that. Do they have a sandwich called the pooper? Yeah, let me get a number five pooper with uh, extra cucumbers. (laughs) It actually should be the number two. I fucked it up. I don't deserve <laughs> oh, to be on this podcast anymore. <laughs> so w- one thing I wanted to talk to you um, about that, um, that I don't know if you guys knew, but at the end of this past week, there was a big news story that happened. And the president of the United States tested positive for COVID-19. And- oh, I thought you were talking about the new Ryan Reynolds teaser for Freeman. That was the big news. That was huge because it was originally going to be released July 4th. Now it's going to be released December 11th. Everybody is talking about that. So where were you <laughs> when, when you saw the free guy I'll teaser? I'll never forget that fateful moment. Exactly. Did you call? Did you call your elderly family or did Mom! you text them? Mom! Free man so- trailer's out. Get up! I know it's 4 a.m. It's out! Ryan Reynolds is a non-playable character in a video game. The girl from Killing Eve! By the way, I need need a new pair of pants. Killing Eve! I've I've already jacked up in my pants (laughs) twice. (laughs) When you're talking to mom... No, I jacked off. Ryan Reynolds didn't touch me. (laughs) 
I wish he did. I mean, that's what my fantasy was all about. It's very confusing. Can I just have some new Trump pants? has nothing to do with this. I never even said his name. <laughs> Eve. Killing Eve. It's a show. <laughs>